0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots and forgotten American taxpayers, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the house on February 20th, Thursday, for another day of independent conservative talk. And boy, if there was ever a time where we needed a voice. For the forgotten American it is now. A lot of people are focused on that Democrat debate last night where certainly Americans don't matter in our own country. We are strangers in our own land. It it truly is shocking how you look at not just Democrats but 90% of Republicans I see and it's not even a right or left issue. When you are an elected representative your responsibility is for the american citizen okay period if you have certain aspirations that are global you want to do things for other people outside of america you could open up missionaries a lot of things you can do but the resources of the united states and the united states government and the focus of our political system is exclusively for the american people that is deeply rooted in the social compact governance by the consent of the governed That is as unalienable as life, liberty, and property. That's what I call the fourth right of the Declaration. And all that you do has to take into account solely Americans' interest. Now, you could disagree over what that might be, but that clearly has to be your intent of buying for Americans. But instead, we have America last. And certainly that was on display last night. But as I noted yesterday, and I have a column out today really shaping this. There is a raging debate inside the Republican Party that nobody is paying attention to. You see, most Republicans are like Lindsey Graham. It's all about the needs of the special interests who want more foreign workers, more immigration, more illegal immigration. And you and I just don't matter. As as Lindsey Graham always says, tell the bigots to shut up. And then there's people like Chip Roy, who's a congressman from Texas, served on the Judiciary Committee as a staffer, and he sent him a letter and said, hey, what in the world are you doing there? That is the debate we need to focus on. Will this be a Republican party of Chip Roy or a party of Lindsey Graham? Will this be a second term of President Trump that's in line with Jared Kushner and Lindsey Graham? Or in line With people like Chip Roy, Paul Gosar, some of our friends, and the people who actually voted for him. I'm putting Americans first. We've talked a lot over the last number of years, have written thousands of columns on all the effects of illegal immigration. How we're strangers in our own land. How it's inmates running the asylum. Some of you might have seen the article out of Massachusetts just yesterday. How they're thinking of implementing policies to absolve illegal aliens from driving without a license. You and I drive without a license. We've committed a crime, but we have a two-tier justice system. They are a chosen people, a chosen class of people. Not just that they don't wanna enforce our sovereignty and our laws, they are actually their top priority. But I'm here to tell you, it's not just a problem with illegal immigration. It's not just a problem with the low-skilled labor of putting American workers last. This is a problem that cuts to the core of the middle class of this country as it relates certainly to entry-level tech jobs, but really many, many other fields where our culture is being rotted out, our wages are being rotted out, our standard of living, and we now have a visa system And much of it is unlawful, as I wrote in my book, literally stolen sovereignty. How typically the decisions have to flow directly from the people as expressed through their elected representatives. And most certainly as it relates to the ultimate question a society deals with, who and what type of people are we going to bring in to become members of that society? That has to flow from the people. Yet much like with illegal immigration, where all of the policies flow from the lawless courts and the executive branch over the years, vitiating the statutes duly passed by Congress, a similar thing has happened with legal immigration and all these visas. Now, again, obviously, many of you know that the broad numbers and type of legal immigrants we've had in general, that chain migration, um, not merit-based... It was born out of the 1965 Hart-Seller Act, which was sold to the people as doing the exact opposite by the Johnson administration. But the letter of the law does need to be fixed. You know, the base of it is written in there and um, certainly exacerbated in the 1990 bill. But then you have all these visa programs that some of them were downright created by executive fiat. We're going to talk about this OPT program. And what it's done is it's allowed these contractors from India to essentially control our labor market. It creates a cultural gerrymander in the workplace and tech and other industries where then they only hire Indians or sometimes other nationalities. Americans are completely boxed out. They can't get jobs. It begins with the colleges as well, where the number of foreign students has mushroomed from 200,000 to 1.3 million annually over the last two decades. And this ties into national security, trade secrets, IP theft, all sorts of problems. The American worker is being placed last. And as I promised earlier this week, this is an issue I really want to get to more because it cuts to the core of what is happening, putting America last, stolen sovereignty, where we have foreign interests determining... Our most important national treasure and talent and aspirations. Politically, this speaks to the silent supermajority. You want to talk about winning issues that it's just pathetic. Neither party wants to latch on to this. I was just speaking with a friend of mine in the DeSantis administration in Florida, and we're lamenting together these clownish Republicans in the state Senate that won't take yes for an answer. You have a governor who is the most popular governor in America. He's the most conservative governor. He's trying to implement so many good reforms and it has super majority support, including um, among Hispanic voters. And yet these people are just owned by the special interests. How do we break through that? And what is going on? How bad is this problem? To the American worker, again, not just the agricultural worker workers. Remember, they tell us, oh, they don't want to do manual labor. Okay, but then the same people are telling us Americans don't want to have STEM jobs either. Well, what is it we want? Nothing? Clearly, this is all a sham. With us today is a very special guest. Um, the type of guest you don't really see on cable news because they don't have people on who actually live in the real world, work in the real world, and understand the issues from the bottom up. They have a bunch of talking heads that know nothing other than, uh, you know, vacuous uh, sparring over Twitter cat fights that are reminiscent of ninth grade junior high fights or something like that. But Hil- Hillary Gam is the author of a must-read book. I really want you guys to order this on Amazon. I have my uh, copy in the mail. Billions Lost: American Tech Crisis and the Roadmap to Change. She's worked in the tech industry at all levels for many, many years. She shares her insight into how the American worker and college graduate has been sold out together with two other moms, just suburban moms that care about their children's job prospects, never worked in politics, started a terrific small organization, American Workers Coalition. You could check them out at amworkerco.com. We'll link to it in show notes where they have all sorts of information on how we're being sold out with H-1Bs and the OPTs, and all these programs and how they want to make it worse, but what we can do to make it better. With no further ado, it's an honor to bring Hillary on for the first time, which will no doubt not be the first time. We will have her on many times because there's so much to discuss. Thanks so much for joining us, Hillary.
1: Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, thanks for listening to my filibuster. Um, People have heard from me. I want them to hear from you. So we're going to get to this specific problem that my my listeners know and they're very alerted in calling the White House over this HR 5038, this sellout of low-skilled American workers and amnesty, mass amnesty bill. But among the top bills that will likely be passed in a second term of Trump by a Republican Congress if we don't speak up is this S-386 to take everything that is wrong with the Indian monopolization of our workforce and exacerbate it. Um, I want to get to that, but I first want to start off with the general scope of the problem, which I would say is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. There's a Wall Street Journal article I know you just sent around, um, one of their editorials from, from last night, by the editorial board, basically repeating what I believe is the impetus, at least politically, for this agenda. It's not their what's driving them, but it's what they use publicly to excuse it. And they basically say Americans suck. I mean, that's just you know uh, a short form of it, that we can't do uh, manual labor. They can't do STEM. They can't do anything. There's nothing they can do. There's just not enough workers. What do you want from us? And therefore, we need more foreign workers. Hillary, why do you think Americans don't suck?
1: Well, I know Americans are fantastic, and we're lucky enough to live in the most impressive country in the world where we have so many opportunities. And I just want to make sure that your listeners understand that the only way that we can keep our country a democracy and help it to thrive and ensure that the American dream is something that every child can achieve in the United States is if we focus on jobs and education first for Americans. And that's something that's been lost in the rhetoric for many years. And unfortunately, those individuals in the United States who run our largest and most successful corporations. They benefit from the propaganda that we don't have workers, we don't have the intelligence, we don't have the education, we don't have the ability. But it is simply that it's a myth, it's propaganda, and it's all lies, because we have the talent, the ability, and the numbers here in the United States today to help our economy move to even greater heights and help our nation achieve uh, the most greatest future that it possibly can. So, that's kind of where we're at.
0: Now, Hillary, but don't, don't we have major education problems in, in America, and these people just aren't up to snuff for, for entry-level coding <laughs> no. jobs and programming jobs?
1: We really don't. We uh, today are employing less than 50% of those students who are graduating with STEM degrees. Some figures indicate it's closer to 25%. So we are educating. We, we are forcing our American families to pay for this exorbitant uh, cost of higher education today. Um, today, the cost of a U.S. college degree is three times what it was uh, in the 1980s or 90s in, in their parents' generation, uh, accounting for inflation. That's basically a direct result of making U.S. higher ed and exports Rather than a domestic enabler, so education in the United States historically and was meant to enable our own citizens to achieve and to thrive, and to improve the society as a whole and improve the standard of living over time for every citizen. But what happened is that, in the same way that big tech or big corporations push for uh, what's best what's in their best interest, what's best for them, U.S. higher institutions of education also push for what's best for them. So they're bringing in millions and millions, really hundreds of millions of dollars from these foreign countries. And then they're not necessarily educating American citizens. They're educating foreigners before Americans. Um, but of the Americans that we, are educating, uh, that we are educating in STEM, we are not employing them because foreign students are able to be employed before Americans. And we've created and passed legislation and created, um, from a government perspective, the ability to hire foreign workers rather than Americans in a way that's easier, faster, and cheaper for the employers. Both at the corporate level and also in the education and research areas.
0: So I want I want to pick up from there. That that that's that's a good landing place. The the synergy of the labor market and the education system as it relates to foreign visas. So obviously, any American opens their eyes and they see they see it in a lot of industries, but very jarring in tech, where it's all Indian workers. And so not only are Americans boxed out, but it's not even diverse. It's all one particular country. And, you know, no one would have ever voted for that. If you would have had a bill, okay, we're going to go and basically outsource our entire tech industry to be monopolized by foreign workers and predominantly nationals of one particular country, um, no one would have ever supported that. How did this evolve? You know, we we are told there's only 55,000 H-1B visas per year yet we now know i mean neil monroe at breitbart i was actually just talking with him this morning um he has an article out that there's about a million indian contract workers in america um describe the pipeline of the again the f visas of the the foreign students coming in very much from china and india um and then h1b and then this OPT program, and what that's done to take what was supposed to be a limited temporary guest worker program to a permanent, long-term worker program, and then we'll get to the green card immigration aspect a little later.
1: Sure. So that's a lot of information you want me to cover, and we only have a few as minutes. As much time game. as you, as you have want. To tell
0: me. Just yeah, right. Okay.
1: T- tell me what you want me to focus on. So first, you want me to explain to your listeners. Exactly. How, how did the, the, the monopoly kind of the come about. Of how it came about?
0: Yeah, how did this monopoly come okay. about?
1: Okay, okay. So, in the late uh, ni- 1900s, right, it was like 1980, 85, there started to be a basic domestic hysteria that grew into a global hysteria that the world was going to end when the clocks turned 2000 in 1999. So, at about 19, early 1990s, uh, the individuals who ran the largest tech corporations, so the Microsofts and the Apple uh, CEOs and IBM CEOs, they convinced Washington, D.C. legislators that unless we brought in supplemental technology workers from offshore, from other countries, all of the U.S. banking systems would be locked down, and the country and therefore the world markets, financial markets, would fail when the clocks turned 2000 and that was called Y2K and in all of the publications and all the media and every single major US uh, publication and global publication both daily and weekly publications it was called the Y2K bug and everybody talked about it you know that the Y2K was the collapse of modern society as we know it unless we supplement and get all these extra people in to help us over this hurdle so Bill Gates of Microsoft, coincidentally, his organization was sued by temporary technology workers in Silicon Valley um, and in Seattle around the same time, and they were suing to say that they weren't being treated equally as Microsoft employees, and that changed the labor paradigm in the U.S. So where we used to have all these people that would kind of work, temporary workers, you know, technology workers in STEM, um, they were kind of shut out of that kind of labor market because all of the companies across the U.S. decided that they didn't want to also be sued. And so they passed laws and regulations and internal um, uh, basically formulas where they wouldn't let any Americans work for more than 12 months in any job. And that would constitute their, quote-unquote, temporary status. So what was Microsoft and their other uh, companions in that industry to do? They went and found a cheap labor source that they could cultivate. So Microsoft specifically went to India because they speak English, and he worked with them to create this labor source. And that opened up India's opportunity to become the number one STEM supplanter to American labor. So it all happened because a company was sued, and coincidentally, we were at the end of the century, coming into the digital age of the 21st century. Okay, And so what ended up happening is at the time, uh, the labor unions in the United States actually called out that this didn't make sense that this H-1B thing was not going to be a good thing for the U.S., but nobody listened to them, because they were all hysterical. So at the turn of the century, we allowed hundreds of thousands of workers from India to come into the U.S. Uh, to work on, the, on these H-1B visas. And today, we have about 85,000 per year um, that are given out, this H-1B visa. Uh, and in addition to that, all of the universities and research institutes are exempt so it's not only the 85,000 that are being given out. It's typically you know, close to 200,000 a year that are being provided. And that's just under the H-1B visa. Then there's another visa called the L-1 visa, which also brings in hundreds of thousands. Um, and then you also have people coming in on something called an OPT. So when a student comes to the United States um, as an F-1 mm-hmm. visa holder, they have to... Basically, claim that they're only coming to the United States for an education. Okay? And so when they come as an F1 visa holder, they're not coming to work. They're supposedly just coming to get an education. Well, during the Bush administration, and then it expanded under the Obama administration, a program called Optional Practical Training has given these students the ability to instead. Work in the United States virtually indefinitely,
0: even, even so, though statute precludes that from happening.
1: Well, no. So, so currently there's a lawsuit where uh, John Miano and his organization are suing the federal government that OPT is illegal. Exactly, because it was never ratified by Congress. So basically, it's, it's like by DACA. executive order.
0: I'm saying a lot. Everyone, our listeners know about DACA. Like Obama said, you know, there's too many illegal immigrants that need to be legalized i want them legalized i'm just going to do it pursuant to statute they have to be placed in removal proceedings but i'm just going to give them a program give them social security cards work permits so it's almost a similar concept that we had an h-1b program um we had student visas we had different categories there were non-immigrant visas they were for conditional presence in the united states for education or for temporary work and basically the executive branch out of whole cloth Created a workaround. Is that correct?
1: Basically, what happened is the 85,000 H 1B visas plus the unlimited H 1B visas that the universities and research institutes can claim were not enough for the CEOs of America's Chamber of Commerce members. And so they went to President Obama and said, We need more. So 250,000 foreign workers per year on H-1B or, you know, 100, 200,000 or whatever the number is, Um, but the 85,000 H-1B workers per year is not enough. So we need more. So we need you to create this vehicle so that we can get more. And so what they did was they took this OPT program that was created under Bush 2 and then they expanded it. So today, close to 300,000 F-1 students in the United States or F-1 graduates in the United States are working instead of U.S. citizen college graduates or U.S. citizens who are professionals that were working. So this is like an extra 300,000 workers per year that basically are coming to the U.S. So when we talk about educating a million Chinese a year or we talk about educating, um, you know, 500,000, you know, 1.5 million Chinese, Indian, and Saudi Arabian students, because yep. those are the top, top three, three students yeah. from foreign countries. We're basically talking about educating them and giving them the opportunity to work in the U.S. indefinitely. So,
0: so Hillary, contrary pla- to, place of America. to Mitt Romney's famous stapler, well, you know, this is an outrage. We educate them and send them back. We're going to staple a green card. So, that's essentially what we're doing. Now, it's not directly a green card, but we are essentially giving them de facto permanent legal residence here.
1: We're giving them access and opportunity to the jobs. Yeah. But in addition to that, what's so egregious about this OPT-CPT program is we're making it so that the foreign student or the foreign graduate is actually a more desirable hire than the American.
0: Okay, let, let's hear that. that. This is very important. So you're saying it's not just the sheer numbers we're bringing in, um, just both in the education system, uh, which is, again, it, it really, there's a lot of problems in the universities we could talk about, a pipeline to jobs, but you're saying pound per pound, you put yourself in an employer's shoes, he would rather hire one of these OPT workers. Why?
1: Because since, OPT is is administered by ICE, and it's associated with an F-1 visa, which is a non-work visa, there's no provision for an OPT or a CPT worker to have to pay taxes or for their (laughs) employer to have to pay taxes. So what that means is that this OPT-CPT program hurts our senior citizens, and it hurts our children. It's a program that has gone completely unnoticed and under the radar, and it's displacing Americans at the greatest rate. It's actually bigger today than the H-1B program. And you don't hear about it on the media. Nobody talks about it. Nobody wants to hear about it. Um, But every single OPT or CPT hire basically is at a 16% discount over an American citizen. So if you take two graduates, from columbia university who both are educated in mechanical engineering and you want to hire the american graduate or the o p t graduate the american graduate will cost their employer regardless of the company they work for fifteen, sixteen percent more than the foreigner because the yep. company has to contribute to FICA taxes social security and medicare so basically there's hundreds of thousands of these um, non-U.S. citizens who are working in these OPT and CPT yep. programs. Yep, and it's costing the American taxpayers close to the estimate of three billion per
0: year. Yep, and this is literally so, the white-collar version of what Obama did with executive amnesty. Again, pursuant to law, these people's these people have termed out. their, their term of residency in america is is gone pursuant to the laws duly passed by congress they should have been sent back and if they would have stayed you know on their own volition and overstayed their visas they would have been removable but they created this non uh, statutorily authorized program opt and then lawlessness begets lawlessness again much like with daca and amnesty well, they're here illegally, so well they don't have driver's licenses. So yeah, you, you know we're gonna we'll, we'll allow them to drive. We'll allow them to do this. We'll overlook that. So it's a similar thing here. They actually benefit from it not being authorized because it's off the books. And you're saying they don't pay taxes. So you would actually be logically, you would be insane as an employer to hire an American.
1: Right. And so when you look at the companies that most use foreign labor through, like, the H-1B program or um, the L-1s, because, so, you know, there's, there's data that's available that tells you where these people are working. Those same companies that are using so much foreign labor, you know, um, under the H-1B program are the very same companies that are hiring thousands and thousands of OPT and CPT workers. It's the same, same companies. They just are hiring foreign labor instead of Americans. And they're getting a huge tax break. I mean, you know, when Amazon and Google and Facebook and Deloitte and IBM hire thousands and thousands of these workers rather than Americans, they're basically getting a subsidy. So we're taking our elderly population and telling them to forego providing Medicare contributions by these companies. So basically, we're taking the elderly population of America and subsidizing America's largest and most profitable American corporations. I mean, that, that's what's happening. That, that's basically, you know, transfer of wealth. So, so it's crazy, right, that none of this gets into the, you know, vernacular, especially during an election year. It's unbelievable. I and mean, it's 2020, right? Every single person that has an education in the U.S., every single white-collar professional, whether they're a technology worker or they're a doctor or they're a nurse, or they're a teacher or a physical therapist, um, whether they work in publishing or editing, all of these jobs are going to OPTs and CPTs, people in the business world, yep. people in finance.
0: And, 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 and typically it's not what even, happens is... And Hillary, it's not even diverse. I mean, these people say they celebrate diversity, but it's really mainly a few countries and most predominantly India. Is that correct?
1: Well, without a doubt... There's really Chinese and Indian uh, nationals who are really monopolizing a majority of these jobs. And really, when you look at our, you know, identity, uh, you know, property theft in terms of intellectual property theft across our universities, um, yep. it's happening by people who are edu- being educated here
0: yep.
1: and then given. The choice of the best jobs in the research labs. So
0: right? we pay for the rope are so, basically.
1: Right, and so, in, so they're completely displacing, right? This is all a self-fulfilling prophecy. It was like the people said, oh, we don't have enough smart people. We have loads of smart people. We have loads of, of, of children and grandchildren of the engineers who put the first man on the moon yeah. from the United States of America, who pushed technology, who pushed um, you know, the, the medical field far beyond any of our international competitors. Their children and grandchildren are not stupid. They're super smart, actually. And we used to pride ourselves as a nation on having well-rounded, um, informed and educated citizens who are the best in every single way across the globe, right? And instead of focusing on making sure that we ga- basically making sure that American citizens came first in America, we've created a system where Americans have become second-class citizens and the interests of foreigners and and immigrants has been put way before the interests of american citizens and their children and their families and that's where we are today so as much as the current administration wants to talk about training and educating americans to take the jobs in the 21st century we really need the current administration to focus on giving the jobs, creating a fair and so, equal playing field so Americans can be hired for the jobs. The 21st
0: exactly, century. exactly. So I wanted to get to that. That's exactly where I wanted to take this. Um, so you would think the very first step, you would think, is the same way Obama, Trump promised to get rid of DACA, which of course they're going to recodify anyway. But um, OPT, again, lawless, it's egregious, creates a labor gerrymander um, against the American worker. Um, and, and and these are middle class jobs. And I just wanna be clear just first off, and I'm not certainly not knocking this or putting it down, but we're not talking about rocket scientists here. I mean, my father works in nuclear engineering, um, very highly technical. I mean, aren't most of the OPT H1Bs, so I, I, it's kind of interesting the way they work this, our immigration system is so broken that we have so much illegal immigration. And then so much of our legal immigration is really low skilled chain migration, family based ties where there's no skill and it's manual labor. It's it's um, it's not white collar at all. So the politicians are able to turn around. Well, Daniel, you say how much you can't stand bringing in the low skilled labor. Well, we got the H1B here, but it's all relative. I mean, isn't it essentially just entry level coding jobs or things like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the majority of folks that are coming to the United States that are working on H-1B, and I mean typically the percentage is like over 90% of the, those coming to the United States working on an H-1B visa or working in an OPT or CPT job are less qualified than an American high school graduate to do the same work. So we're taking people that are working, um, that are successful and that are employed, we're replacing them with foreign workers who are infinitely less qualified. You know the standard understanding, and, and it's you know been reported, right? You know sometimes, uh, like through the Disney case, that the standard uh, practice is knowledge transfer, where the American citizens are required to transfer their knowledge of their job and their discipline to a foreigner because the foreigner's cheaper and i talk about it in my book and and so basically what happens is that the the foreigners typically come to the united states you know as an h-1-b but many times that h-1-b here in the united states has hundreds of workers working for them offshore in another land so eighty five thousand bs here in the united states actually translates to close to a million jobs that the u.s. is losing per year because the H-1B is a middleman, typically. They're the onshore communicator to the minions that are working in these foreign countries, like the Philippines, like China, like India. Uh, and so there's, it's very important for Americans to understand. One of the things I talk about in my book and one of the things that I try to impress upon people is, and this is really important for you also, Daniel, when you're talking to so many of the contacts that you have, is that where America allows our data to flow freely across country lines? Mm. That enables all of our white collar industries to basically be exported to these other countries. You know, one of the key things in the talks that I suspect President Trump will have with Prime Minister Modi and the upcoming uh, trade uh, discussions in India is that India, in the same way that the EU and China and Australia, uh, created laws so that their data, which is like their oil, it's like the, the, the most, uh, you know, it's it, 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 their the best commodity, that their data has to stay in India, that their data can't be exported to other countries. And if the United States would pass a law that just kept our health data here in the United States or our financial data in the United States or kept any of our data local here in the United States, we would bring back millions and millions and millions of jobs to the U.S., millions. And they would be jobs that high school graduates could have all the way up to Ph.D.'s. So by allowing all these jobs to leave the U.S., all these white-collar professional jobs to leave the U.S., I mean, it's accounting. It's every possible profession that you can think of, Daniel. It's every possible major. It's not just coding programming. That's right. It's every every white-collar professional job that any one of your listeners either majored in or is paying for their child or grandchild to get an education in. Every one of those jobs is now on the path to being replaced by a foreigner here in the U.S. or being sent outside the U.S. with no ramifications, no ramifications whatsoever to our country. And that's the reason we have all these issues with cybersecurity and why we have identity theft and why we have all these trade secrets being stolen. Tra- um, yeah, and intellectual property and, and uh, people having their public data. I mean, you think about it. Somebody in a foreign country can find out you know, your name, address, your phone number, and your political affiliation um, by accessing information located on the Internet because some states have that information publicly available. And so we've opened up our country to a world of ills and issues because we are not keeping our data here in the U.S. But the biggest deal is that we're we're literally costing our country trillions and trillions of dollars and millions and millions of jobs and taking away the future opportunity for our middle class to thrive and taking away the significant opportunity for those in the working class to ascend to the middle class. And instead, the way it's set up now is we have the richest Americans able to can get richer and richer. And we're creating more of a king surf kind of situation yep. in the U.S. rather than the equality and democracy that I was raised um, to understand,
0: enjoy, and appreciate. Yep. And and as you guys could appreciate here, I mean, the free market did not build this. This was all distorted by government um You know, 100 percent distorted by government Uh, It's truly, truly a travesty what has taken place. And again, you look at the low skilled. It's the same principle where you have this caste system. You have basically indentured servitude where they just take advantage of tethering something as important and sought after as American permanent residents, de facto permanent residents, sometimes downright citizenship. To employment and you take so many desperate people from either third world countries or places where they they would die to come here and you tether it to employment men they're going to be willing to come here and get that and achieve that for such a so much of a lower wage but then there's the second what i call the second order effect once you have that you know enticement because of the wages and with opt downright the tax structure to get them in the door. Now you have a self-fulfilling reality where you can only get people of the same ilk. And then they turn around and say, Oh, we can't get Americans. So could you describe for us the following? I said yesterday, um, on, on the show talking about, again, the parallel with low skilled industries, how you have a cultural gerrymander. So Tyson foods, they brag about how, Oh, we have, 800 of the 1,300 people working at this plant are Sudanese, Congolese, and Somali. And really, probably all 1,300 are, are foreign-born. But you know, from these particular places, there's nine languages spoken. So aside from the wage issue, it's just a self-fulfilling reality. Americans aren't going to be able to work there. They're not going to want to work there. The, the middle management's not going to want to hire them. They're going to go straight anyway towards... The same people from that background Is that what we're seeing with White collar tech jobs As it relates to Indians
1: Well I would like to make it a little broader A statement It's what we're seeing with white collar Professional jobs but, you know, We could talk about nurses mm. um, So l- let me kind of phrase it I, You're 100% right on That there's a second order effect When you tether Employment to citizenship. So, as you correctly stated, somebody from a foreign country who's dying to become an American citizen and uh, enjoy all of the benefits of being in the United States working will do pretty much anything to be in that situation. So, they'll work longer hours. They're not going to work an eight hour day, they'll work a 16 hour day, they'll work an 18 hour day, they'll work on the weekends, they'll be available 24 hours a day. Um, so that they're always available to answer any questions. That's a very different working paradigm than what the United States achieved in terms of workers' rights. And one of the things I think it's so important for your listeners to understand and draw the lines to is that the very people who claim that it's important to give minorities and women opportunities in the United States. Hmm. It's important to encourage good uh, worker um, benefits in terms of wages, or you know, insurance benefits, or family leave. Those very same individuals should clearly be promoting a situation where we have American citizens working so that we can maintain any advances that we'd achieved in those areas. The reality is this. Because of the millions of U.S. workers who have been laid off and displaced and replaced by foreign workers on H-1Bs, L-1s, and OPTs, American citizens have had a tremendous degradation in their worker rights. There has been wage stagnation women and minorities have been pushed out of these important fields like research, nursing, technology, teaching, especially at the uh, university level, Mm. and the benefits have decreased. And so to your point, do Americans want to work in an environment where they're the last man standing? Do you want to be the only American working in a, you know, Technology shop, or the only American working in a nursing home, when everyone around you is from a different country and they're working, you know. And remember, you know, many times when the foreign workers come to the United States, they bring extended family. And that in and of itself represents typically an advantage over an American citizen. When you have an American mother who has to. Uh, take care of their elderly parents and take care of their children. You're putting them in a very difficult position when you're lining them up against a foreign mother whose parents are there to take care of the kids. I mean, one of the things we didn't talk about is something called an H-4EAD worker. Yes, that's, that's right? what I was going to p- push you
0: on. Exactly. Another lawless program. So, so,
1: right. So there's an example. So H-4EAD was introduced by President Obama. And it was specifically to give the spouses of H-1B workers in the United States the opportunity to work anywhere they want, at any job, at any time, under any conditions. They have no restrictions. It's absolutely not merit-based, and it's unlimited.
0: Unlimited. So, 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 today so again, just I want to freeze frame there. When we talk about the powerful market distortion of tethering employment to the promise of being here, that, that makes it all the more powerful because now – By me flooding the market and working with the Indian contractors to get these jobs in Silicon Valley, I know I could bring in my entire family and have that done. And that's really going to create a tsunami from these countries to to further monopolize those fields.
1: Yeah, monopolize those fields and any of the fields where they're able to gain employment, right? I mean, one of the issues that many Americans have that are working in these various professions is that they can't get an interview because the only people doing the interviews are these people who are from foreign countries, whether they're sitting in the foreign country while they're um, going through the resumes and and going through the vetting process or they're sitting in the United States. Either way, um, the Americans are not being given an opportunity to interview for the jobs. And then in the case where the Americans are being given an opportunity to interview for jobs, when their resumes aren't being stolen and their CVs aren't being stolen and rebranded as somebody else that has a different name, um, they they don't get the jobs because, you know, companies would rather hire younger, cheaper labor than more experienced, um, educated American labor. And the stories of American despair are not told and and that's that's what's so upsetting right the you don't see any stories about american families who are losing their homes because both the father and the mother have lost their job you don't see any stories about american children who are being pulled out of their uh, college program because their parents have lost their job and they are unable to continue their college education because their parents were replaced by a foreign worker you don't see any stories about individuals that have a sick child that needs health care benefits and they're unable to get the health care they require because their job was just offshored to the Philippines because that's where the customer service um, you know organization is or their engineer their father who was an engineer or a biochemist for thirty years, you know, loses their job because it's now going to China or Poland or India or Costa Rica or Mexico. Yep. So none of the stories of Americans are being told in our newspapers or on our media. Nobody will talk about the millions nope. of Americans. We have eighty million. Eighty million Americans. There's eighty million Americans of working age. Forty million Americans of working age, with no disabilities, no issues, yep. college educated, high school educated that are not working. And that's and that's they're the not thing Hillary. Because they don't want to yep. work. They're not working because there's no opportunity. Th- for th- there. That
0: that's the thing you know, again, if you had a tiny country, maybe the size of Israel or something, you could say, well, you know, maybe they need to import some people. It defies logic to say that you could have a country that big and yet everywhere, low skilled, high skilled, everywhere we need. We 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 need farm workers. Um, you know, what's fascinating? I just brought up this quote I, I've used before. Uh, Calvin Coolidge wrote a column in his final years um, in a newspaper column after he was president. And he talked about how, uh, you know, just that era in the 20s where we had this mass migration and a lot of people celebrated. I'm a product of the Great Wave. But part of why it succeeded, perhaps the greatest reason, there's a lot of reasons. I write about Chapter 7 in my book. But the biggest reason is we did have a shutoff after that. Now we're at a point where our wave is much, much bigger since the 70s. It's intensifying with no um, end in sight. Immigrant, non-immigrant workers is unreal. 1.1 million green cards are given out a year. 700,000 low-skilled visas. God knows how many, um, you know, so-called high-skilled 1.3 million student visas a year. Um, So he said, we have certain standards of life that we believe are best for us. We do not ask other nations to discard theirs, but we do wish to preserve our standards, government, and culture under our free institutions. Are not so much a matter of constitutions and laws as of public opinion, ways of thought, and of methods of life of the people. We reflect on no one in wanting immigrants who will be assimilated into our ways of thinking and, and living, believing we can best serve the world in that way, we restrict immigration. And again, he was he was the ultimate free market guy. I mean, libertarians celebrate him all the time, his uh, uh, policies on taxes and regulations. But he understood that that's not free market to go and flood people, flood the country carte blanche with those that have a very, very different standard of living. So we had President Trump that really spoke to this. Uh, For those of you who are watching during the debate last night, Trump held a rally in Phoenix Now, Phoenix is very famous for his the speech, the immigrant immigration speech he gave August 31st, 2016, and he famously said, we will reform legal immigration to serve the best interest of America and its workers. Hillary, you work with some people in Washington, you try to, you know, educate them on these issues. Shouldn't it be a no brainer that four years into this administration, an America first immigration that. OPT and H-4EAD, which are complete, as, as lawless as DACA, should be gone. We know we have uh, Gosar's bill, H.R. 3564, for those of you who want to push it with your senators in the White House. But even without that, I mean, executively, this should be gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, by executive order, President Trump is able to end both H-4EAD and OPT. Uh, but they, they've they made no mention of it. It's not in the news. They don't talk about it.
0: Well, they um, do talk about so it. Many, they say we need more workers. So,
1: yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> so... There, there's so. But, they, but basically, you know, uh, in terms of kind of the President Trump's administration, I mean, he only is speaking to big tech, right? He's only talking to Chamber of Commerce members. I mean, they're yeah. only talking to people whose best interests are to keep flooding the labor market with cheap foreign labor and allowing white-collar professional jobs to be outsourced to foreign countries. He's not talking to any of the Americans that are disenfranchised and and affected by his inaction in in these areas. And, you know, we are all hoping that President Trump is going to uh, make some changes and end H-4EAD and and hopefully end the OPT program, at least amend it. Um, And we're hoping for the best. And and the best thing the listeners can do is, you know join us and you know we're trying to educate congress we're trying to educate um, you know the folks in the white house i mean
0: we're trying so so what but, what's your rallying cry you know, everyone asked me what can we do so what could people do to help your work you're just you know three moms uh really trying to speak for the forgotten worker uh, what 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 could my audience do to help uh,
1: your audience if, if they can follow us on twitter we're amworkco on twitter and if they can just on AmWorkCo, um, just let us know or send us an email. We do a weekly email where we are contacting congressional offices and trying to educate these congressional aides in each of the offices of every congressman across the U.S. to understand that these programs are going on and they're undermining American citizens and they're undermining American middle class. That, and if any of your listeners are ever at a debate, can can they just ask or or if they contact their local paper if they do anything the issue is that americans are staying silent they're not yes. calling out to their newspapers they're not calling out to the media they're not calling out at debates or town halls and saying what happened to legal immigration? My kid is in debt for $200,000, and I don't care about debt forgiveness. What happened to dignity through work? What happened see, to the promise oh my gosh. that so we were going to
0: give? Y- 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 that really pisses me off because you're, you're so right on that. It's like what you see in the Bible when Elijah said to, um, to Ahab, you know, have you killed and have you inherited? That's what the left always does in the political class in this country. It's the vicious cycle of failed government. They go and create a problem and distort an industry and then people are in pain and then they come with the socialism. Oh, you need a handout. Look, you're in pain. And really, it's like, no, let, 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 let's deal with the, the first thing you did and and, uh, you know, solve that. And then, you know, people want a chance and then they they don't need a handout. It's the same thing government's done with healthcare. Government's done with a lot of things. Um, and. I want to I'm running out of time here and I knew I'd go along here. My my uh, producers are going to kill me here, but I don't care because I, I knew there's too much to talk about our first time around here. We have to get to the final thing, the here and now, what they're doing to exacerbate it, this S386. So um, talk about have you killed and inherited? Unbelievable. The cycle of government. So what they do here is the same way with illegal immigration. They go and dismantle enforcement. They, they just thumb their nose at the law. Uh, state level, you got the courts, you know, just saying, screw law. I don't care about expedited removal. I don't care that Congress said we're not allowed to hear the case. We're going to hear it anyway. So then, as a result, you have more illegal immigration. Then they're like, well, they're stuck in a situation. What are we going to do? They need amnesty. So similar thing here. Now that you guys got this um, briefing from Hillary, you guys understand how they broke the system, how they allowed Indian companies and, and foreign nationals and Chinese to monopolize all these fields. So what they did is they took what was supposed to be limited short term guest workers and they made mass numbers, a million Indians, um, de facto long term permanent residents, mainly through things that are, are just against statute. So now they have a problem. Well, Daniel, you got all these people that were brought over with the promise that they'd be able to stay, but then they can't get green cards because it's it's capped. So therefore, you know, now rather than saying, so we're going to end all this garbage and all the lawlessness that got us here and and go back to the American worker, they go the other way and say, well, now we need to take it to the next level and give them green cards. Could you speak about and this is a very dangerous bill because I can tell you it has near unanimous support from Republicans and administration. S386, sponsored by Senator Mike Lee. Could you talk about the provisions, the changes they made, the status, and again, what people can do?
1: Okay, Every listener needs to call their senator and say that they're against S386. That's what they need to do. They need to send an email and they need to contact their Senate office and say they're against S-386 because it's anti-American. S-386 is a um, a bill that was passed um, basically by unanimous consent in the House. And basically, um, as you indicated, it's to remove the country cap. So it seeks to eliminate the 7% country cap for um, green cards from any one country. Now, today, India holds 27%, almost a third of the green cards that are being
0: issued. About 70,000 a year.
1: Correct. Now, the reason S-386 is so bad is because the few companies and countries that are monopolizing our legal immigration system will be rewarded (laughs) for that monopoly um, if S-386 is passed. S-386 is anti-women, and it's anti-minority, and it's anti-diversity. If S-386 was to pass, the 190 countries across the globe that are outside of these couple countries that are now basically flooding our market with legal immigrants would basically be excluded from being able to immigrate to the United States for almost a decade. So if you have a physician from... um, Germany, they wouldn't be able to come here. If you had a researcher from, uh, you know, um, France, they wouldn't be able to come here. So the 190 countries across the globe, uh, outside of India and and China, uh, would be excluded from immigrating legally to the U.S. for the next
0: decade. Which, which, by the way, Hillary, it's by design because they know that's unfeasible so they don't have the support to say we're going to increase the numbers now, but they create something that's untenable under anyone's standard, whether you're an expansionist or or not. It's going to it's going to box because everyone in the pipeline is Indian. So they're going to box out all the green cards and no one else is going to be able to get them. So then they're just going to have to expand legal immigration even more that, that it's not a bug. It's a feature. I mean, in the minds of the those pushing it. But that's how it's anti-diversity, because it, it's um. Uh, it uh, monopolized it but i want you to explain how is it anti women what 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 do you mean by that
1: well it's most definitely anti-woman women is um the H1B program in addition to the H4EAD program are the biggest programs that have driven american women out of stem in the united states in the 1990s uh more than 30% of stem jobs even in silicon valley and santa clara valley um, according to the census information uh, were held by women. Women uh, were in a position, they were moving up, and today um, women are being driven out. So uh, American women who worked in management and technology are being replaced by Indian women who work in management. Um, Indian managers and their employers, uh, they think that women are stupid. American women are stupid. Oh, For f- free there, are, are
0: you saying it's not just an economic market distortion issue, but there's a little bit of a cultural bias there?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but, you know, we, Amer- I'm an American woman in STEM, and I myself um, have two master's degrees and, and spent a uh, couple decades working in the technology industry um, and was discriminated against numerous times. And you have women who, um, before they, they get laid off, are told that they can't go to meetings. Uh, because they don't understand uh, the, you know the technology even though they're the ones who've been managing the technology for years or they're untrainable or they you know they don't speak the language you know when you have you know several individuals that are you know going to lunch and they're talking about what's going on at work that day and they exclude the Americans mm. um it's it, it invariably makes it impossible for those american women to remain in the know and to be able to solve problems at work and to be able to be promoted and being, being able to be given opportunity. So, if, with the passage of S 386, um, you're basically m- making it virtually impossible uh, for any American women to basically succeed in, in these STEM professions where they've been driven out by uh, cheaper foreign labor. Uh, you know, American women to succeed need some flexibility when they can work. Um, typically, um, because many times, and, and certainly, um, I, you know, I believe in, in being a mom and, and working full time, and I believe in being a good role model for others. But you can't ask, you know, someone who's trying to care for others to work 20 hour days. No. And so, S386 is the number one driver of women out of STEM, but specifically out of the tech field. Um, yep. And uh, there's hardly any of us left. And uh, if S three eighty six was to to pass, it would uh, really put really put a uh, nail in the coffin for any American uh, women that wanted to achieve anything in the STEM field in the United States.
0: And, and folks, you know what Hillary is talking about? You know it, this just like the AG amnesty bill passed the House. Now the AG amnesty bill had thirty four Republicans join every Democrat. This bill, I'm looking at it now. So this passed July tenth of last year. It was back then it was um, H.R. 1044 and 140 Republicans voted for it. Just 57, um, you know, roughly a quarter of Republicans opposed it. That is it. Uh, Pretty much every Democrat supported it. And this thing has the support of, I mean, the sponsorship of a guy like Mike Lee. So you could certainly imagine the Lindsey Graham's and the Tillises and the, the usual suspects. Um, This this likely without intervention of the president likely would get um, three quarters, you know, 70, at least 70 uh, votes in the Senate. This is a very serious issue. If it doesn't get pushed this year because it's an election year, it certainly certainly will be at the top of the agenda next year. You guys need to (coughs) contact the White House um, as well as your senators. Say no to S three eighty six. You could contact me as well, Um, Hillary. A lot of people are going to send me their personal stories. I know I get that a lot. Do you have an email that you give out from your organization where people could where you collect these stories?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep they um, they can on on our website. We have a form. Um, and it's a skills form. And we ask people to basically give us some parameters, like were you ever displaced? That's a great place for them to provide us that information, and um, they can provide us their, their contact information. Um, and, you know, that's a great way for them to provide the facts about how they've been affected by these worker programs.
0: Well, that, that, yeah, that, that's certainly something you need to do. And, again, you can go to the website, at amworkerco.com. Terrific information there. You know, for all the money, some of these parasitic, phony, allegedly conservative think tanks and organizations um, that promote open borders and pro-criminal stuff and everything is conservative nowadays except for what actually is. Uh, All the money they spend and the personnel they have, they do nothing, they achieve nothing, they put out nothing. I can't learn anything from them. Um, I'm like the go-to guy in Washington. Oh, Daniel, you're the policy expert. And really, I'm just your average 30-something that, you know, some issues I know better than others and I really need to learn. And there is, you know, just just three moms just got together. So yes, you know, um, sign up there, send them your stories. Uh, Hillary, we're out of time, but I'm sorry, I made you work hard, really put put a lot of general stuff on you. It's hard to break the ice on such a, multifaceted issue the first time, but I want to have a follow-up with you and some of your uh, your, your colleagues uh, at American Workers Coalition. Any closing thoughts before we sew it up here?
1: I just want to thank you and thank your listeners and just let you know it's www.amworkco, A-M-W-O-R-K-C-O. Uh, so that's the website. Follow us on Twitter, get in touch with us, Um, We just need critical mass. If we had thousands and thousands of American citizens saying the same thing to the White House, saying the same thing to our congressmen, and saying the same thing to our senators, they would start listening and they would stop passing bad legislation and start putting Americans first for education and Americans first for jobs. So thank you, Daniel. I hope to come back again, and I hope Marie and Barb can come back, too.
0: Perfect. We will certainly have all three of you on. There you have it, folks. As Jeff Sessions said, the masters of the universe are behind this. We are our best advocates. We are our only advocates, the Forgotten American Taxpayer American worker, our sovereign society, language, culture, it's all at stake and we really have no voice. You got to appeal directly to the president. We need a second term that is in line with the president's promises, not in line with the corporate masters till tomorrow. God bless y'all. And thank you for listening.